Welcome to the Real Estate Explainer podcast, where we talk about anything and everything real estate. I'm your host, Brian Kixula. Today, we're going to be going over cost segregation studies. Cost segregation studies can help you reduce or eliminate your income tax by accelerating the depreciation on your investment properties. Quick disclosure, the information provided is for informational purposes only. I'm not offering individual legal tax or financial advice. Guidelines do change from time to time, so feel free to reach out to me at therealestateexplainer.com and click the Get Connected button, and I'd be happy to update you on any of the changes. So when we're looking at doing a cost segregation study, typically what we're looking at is your different type of maker's property. So your five-year property, your seven-year property, your 15-year property, and then your straight-line property, your 27-and-a-half-year or your 39-year. 27-and-a-half-year property is on residential properties. 39 is going to be on commercial properties. Think restaurants, warehouses, storage facilities. Now, the first thing that we do when we go to a site is we're going to walk the site. And we're going to look for any exterior site improvements. So fences, automatic gate openers, any sidewalks, curbs, driveways, roads, any landscaping that you may have, flagpoles, CMU block walls, swimming pools, built-in barbecues, really any of your site improvements. The site improvements are considered 15-year assets. So they've got a 15-year maker's life. Now, when we look at the interior of a property, we're looking for anything that's an accessory to the business. The best thing, you know, I think of when I'm thinking of a business that has a lot of interior short life assets is probably going to be something like a restaurant. A restaurant you're going to see in the dining room, you're going to see the the carpeting. So removable flooring covers. You're usually going to see decorative lighting above each of the, the tables. Think of a bar. You're going to have the bar itself, the cabinetry behind the bar. You're going to have the hand washing stations behind the bar as well, plus any of the appliances, the refrigerators, the dishwashers, there's ovens. And then back in the the kitchen area, it's just uh, lots of short life assets. So again, it's going to be your dishwashers, your refrigerators, your fryers, and all the electrical hookups that go with them. So think of the electrical wire that starts at the the electrical socket, and then it's the wire all the way back to the circuit board, and then part of that circuit breaker. All of that is considered short life assets. So there can be just a ton of short life assets depending on the type of property that you have. Some of the properties that might not be that rich in short life assets would be a warehouse. So if you had a standard warehouse and it was um, you know, just a bare concrete floor, maybe you had some rack systems, but the only other real asset you had in there was an HVAC system, that's not going to have a lot of short life assets. However, I'll tell you, I've been I've done site inspections and been in some warehouses that are just filled with short life assets. Think about a uh, maybe a warehouse that is an auto body shop. It's going to have pneumatic lines. It's going to have water hoses. It may have cranes or lift stations. All of that would be a short life asset. So some of those are some of the items that we're looking at when we're looking at the interior of properties. 
So what makes the cost segregation studies so powerful or what has is the change to bonus depreciation with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act back in 2017. Bonus depreciation was bumped up to 100% bonus depreciation. So any of your assets that had a 20-year or less tax life, you could take 100% bonus in year one. So between September 28th of 2017 through January 31st of 2022, you were at 100% bonus rate. So all of those items you could take in year one. And depending if you're an active or passive investor, you know, you could offset active or passive income. Now, as of January 1st, 2023, it was reduced to 80% bonus depreciation. And then as of 2024, it's 60. In 2025, it's going to reduce down to 40. And then in 2026, it'll be 20%. And then in 2027, there will be no more bonus depreciation unless there's changes made. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, U.S. Tax Advisors Group, a cost segregation company. If you're interested in cost segregation studies, log on to realestateexplainer.com and click the cost segregation link at the top of the page. So what I did is I went ahead and I put together an estimate of benefit. If you're watching this on YouTube or the website, it might be hard to watch. So I'll include some attachments for you to review. What you're going to see on it is I am looking at a property that was acquired in 2023. It had a cost basis of $550,000. And then we have to carve out the land allocation. Land is a non-depreciable asset. So we've got to carve that out from the basis. So that leaves us $440,000 of a basis that we can do a cost segregation study on. And in this specific example, we're expecting that we're going to find about $70,400 in accelerated depreciation. So we'll be able to pull all of that forward. And since the property was purchased in 2023, we'll be able to take 80% of that. So $56,023. If you did not do a cost segregation study on this property, you could take $15,334 in total depreciation. So that's a huge difference. $56,023 versus $15,334. So what we've also done is I broke it out so that you could see what your depreciation is for tax year 2023, 2024, 2025, and all the way through the full 27 and a half years. And I think what's important to note in a column four is that, you know, if you take, take out the short life assets that we were able to pull forward, you still have $13,438.66 in depreciation that you can take year after year. Whereas if you didn't do cost segregation, it would be a little bit higher at $15,998. So what I'm showing there is a side-by-side comparison of your straight line depreciation. So the structural components over the life, the maker's life of the property, in this case, it's 27 and a half years on a residential property. So then a few other discussion points that I wanted to go over today are active income versus passive income, depreciation recapture, and then partial asset dispositions. So It's really important that you 
determine if you're able to offset active income or passive income when you do a cost segregation study. The reason why is most real estate is passive income. So you can't use the depreciation that the real estate provides to offset your active income in your W-2 job. So if you're a dentist and you have W-2 earnings, you can't use the passive losses that the depreciation provides to offset your W-2 income unless perhaps you own the practice and you group the income together or you qualify as an active real estate professional. And what I would recommend that you do regarding determining if you qualify as an active real estate professional is to log onto the internet, look up IRS publication 925 and look at the rules surrounding active income, because if you could use the depreciation that we're providing to offset your active income, then it just really becomes powerful, especially if you start looking at grouping W-2 income into it. So the next topic is uh, depreciation recapture. And this is important to know. So depreciation recapture is very real. If you take the depreciation on your short life assets, and then you sell your property, within a couple of years, you're going to have to pay back or that depreciation is going to be recaptured at the time that you sell the property. So you really want to make sure that you understand the disposition of the asset or when you're looking at selling the property before you do a cost segregation study. This wouldn't be for a property that you're planning on fixing, holding on for one or two years and then selling. This is more for a long-term hold or perhaps a property that you're planning on doing a 1031 exchange into at some point in the future. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about partial asset dispositions. This is a topic that a lot of investors overlook. And they overlook the power of a cost segregation study because typically they're only looking at the short-term assets, your 15-year property, your seven-year and five-year. They're not looking at the 39-year property or the 27-and-a-half-year property. Where this becomes powerful is if you go in and you decide to, or not decide to, but your hot water tank goes out and you have to replace it. Well, the hot water tank is part of the plumbing, the total unit of property. So it's a typically a straight line depreciation asset, so 27 and a half or 39 years. But if you've done a cost segregation study, we can carve out that hot water heater and you can see how much you've depreciated of the hot water tank over the number of years that you've owned it. And if you have to dispose of that asset, you can take that partial asset disposition in the year that you dispose of it. Same thing on a roof. Let's say that five years into ownership on the property, you have to re-roof the property. Well, you can take the disposition of the old roof and then start depreciating the new roof. This goes on and on. Think windows, doors, any major remodel, think even interior walls. So all of a sudden, the cost segregation study that, you, that you've done really can uh, be powerful in the future. So those are the topics that I wanted to cover today on cost segregation. I know that I could do a deep dive into each of these individual topics and probably speak for at least an hour, but we'll save that for another time. If you have any questions, log on to the website, realestateexplainer.com, click the Get Connected button, and I'd be happy to help. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon.